Hello and welcome to The Green Hornet from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. X3, X3, Sentinel X3, now the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush, presents The Green Hornet. the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. With his faithful valet Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Now ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure of Axford's romantic disaster. The Green Hornet strikes again. The adventures of the Green Hornet are brought to you by Orange Crush, the world's leading orange drink that tastes better naturally. Orange Crush is flavored with the juice of fresh, tree-ripened Valencia oranges. So naturally, it tastes better. Always keep delicious Orange Crush handy in your refrigerator. At your dealers, get the Orange Crush Handy Pack. Six bottles of Orange Crush in a handy carrying case. When Michael Axford entered Britt Reed's office, he was puffing on one of the large black cigars he'd been affecting of late. Lenore Case greeted him. Hello, Michael. Hello, Casey. And then, lost in a cloud of smoke, began to choke. <coughs> oh, Michael! Michael, get that cigar away from here! Oh, what's the matter with people? Don't they know they're supposed to appreciate the smoke of a man's cigar? Oh. All right, Casey. I put it out. Casey... I'm expecting a phone call from Laurel Elbowoods. Tell me when she calls, huh? Oh, hello, Reed. I'm told you want me. Yes, Axford. I want you to work on an assignment with Lowry and our science editor, Tom Hassel. Oh, science, huh? What is it? Well, scientists from all the allied countries are meeting in this city at the Ridgely Plaza Hotel. They'll be there for a week. It's a very important meeting. Oh, I know. I read about it. Uh, part of the NATO setup, isn't it? Yes. Uh, do you mind if I smoke? Yes, but go ahead anyway. Mm. Now, Axford, Lowry will do the straight reporting job. Hassel will cover the technical phases, and you'll write from the viewpoint of the man in the street who has no idea what they're talking about. <coughs> what, what was that? Even you're choking on those things. Oh. Direct that smoke the other way, will you? Okay. It'll mean blowing downwind, but I'll do it. Now, uh, what were you saying? Well, some of the great minds in NATO will be at the meeting, Axford. The open sessions will be so much eyewash. Oh, I see. You mean there'll be lots of secret confabbing going on at other times, huh? I'd imagine so. There are security regulations in force for those who have contact with the delegates. That's why it's necessary for you to get clearance. At that moment in a suite at the Ridgely Plaza Hotel... A strikingly beautiful woman paced the floor nervously as she talked with a suave but intense man who listened with half-closed eyes. And I tell you, Raymond, it would be utterly impossible to get near Professor Wembley at any time. 
We've learned already that security measures are in force for this meeting. A man of Professor Wembley's importance... Will be easier to approach than a man of lesser stature. Wembley's a very independent person, Alita. But a patriotic one. Yes, that is the tragic part. Because if he were not, I'm sure that our people would know more than they do about this new supersonic weapon of his. No more, you say? Raymond, they know absolutely nothing. That is not so, Alita. They know for a certainty that plans for it exist. They also know that Wembley brought those plans to this country in order to discuss them with the American military authorities. And since he has not left the hotel since his arrival, we know that the plans must still be in his possession. And all we have to do is get them. Precisely. Hmm. (laughs) Suppose we descend to the cocktail lounge and have a few drams of what it takes to make one relax. Does the thought appeal to you? Yes. But make it an hour from now, Raymond. You go to your suite while I bathe and change my frock. I'll ring you when I'm ready. It took Michael Axford more than an hour to get his press pass and clearance papers from Dr. Bradford, head of the credentials committee. When he left the press relations office, he went to the hotel grill room for a belated lunch. The captain of waiters led Axford to a wall table, next to one occupied by a strikingly beautiful girl and a male companion. The girl, Alita Carlyle, was talking to her spy comrade, Raymond Lemire, and paid no attention to Axford. But Axford, impressed by the girl's beauty, decided to gain that attention. He spoke loudly to the captain. I don't know whether I feel like eating right now. I'm kind of nervous. Nervous, monsieur? Yeah. You know how it is with those big newspaper men. Gone, gone, gone all the time. Monsieur is a newspaper man? A newspaper man, yes. Why, I'm one of the best. Michael Axford of the Daily Sentinel, that's who I am. I'm here covering the scientific convention, that's what I'm doing. When great minds meet, it takes great minds to figure out what they're talking about. That's why my paper assigned me. I see, monsieur. (laughs) Uh, Let me show you my press card. Now there, you see these papers? These papers show I'm a good security risk, that's what. (laughs) I can go any place in this convention and talk to anyone I want to, providing they feel like being talked to. Alita Carlyle, though seemingly unaware of Axford, had heard his every word. As he talked, she whispered to her companion. Leave at once, Raymond. Fate has indeed been kind. You'll handle this fellow? Of course. Brother, I shall see you later this evening. But yes, darling sister, we shall meet again today by all means. You call me. Au revoir. And I expect the scientific magazines will be asking me to write some special stuff for them. Oh. Oh. I was saying to... uh, What's the matter, lady? Mademoiselle is not well. Oh, but yes, I'm well, thank you. It's just that... But I never noticed, never. Pardon me, sir. You're uh, talking to me? You will pardon my being forward. But but you are Michael Axford, aren't you? Uh, yes. <laughs> that, that's who I am. <laughs> famous newspaper writer of the Daily Sentinel. Now, how did you know that? You hear that, waiter? She knows who I am. Am I too bold in talking to you like this? Am I too bold if I ask you to join me in a little something or other? I mean, if you'll join me. I'd love to. (laughs) 
How thrilling. How very thrilling. Oh, isn't it now? <laughs> Waiter, bring the lady a leg of lamb. No, please, no. I'll simply have a glass of sherry. Uh, Mike, mine, an Irish flip. Half green chartreuse and half orange marmalade. Oh, <laughs> we must... Uh, uh, now, young lady, let's start talking. No, Michael, he isn't. He's at the aviation meet out at Mitchell Field. I don't expect him until after 7 o'clock. You mean you'll have to work till he returns? Oh, I have enough work here to keep until 10 o'clock. Oh, Michael, I have a message for you. A Miss Laurel Elbowwood's call. That one! <laughs> Foosh to her! <laughs> I've got other plans. <laughs> I think I'd better check on them right now, too. <laughs> May I use your phone? <laughs> Go right ahead. Uh, what's the number of the Ridgely Plaza? Do you know offhand? Uh, Endicott, uh, there it is on my pad. I wrote it down this morning. Oh, I, I see it. Miss mm. Carlyle, please, room 402. Oh, hello, Lita. <laughs> this is Mike. Oh, wonderful, thank you. I just got back to the office. Oh, <laughs> what a thing to say. But then a lot of people tell me I'm kind of cute. <laughs> Shut up, Casey. Uh, uh, no, Lita, I, I was talking to me secretary. Uh, what about your brother, Lita? Did you see him? Ah, he did. Uh, that'll be nice. Uh, I'll be to your place at 7.30 then. <laughs> That I will. Goodbye. <laughs> ah, Casey, that's the girl for me. Alita, stop pacing the floor. Raymond, why doesn't that foolish man get here? What time is it now? Oh, let me see. 7.32. You see, it isn't... Ah, oh, there he is. Let him in. Do I look all right? Ravishing, my dear. Go on. Michael. Dear, darling Michael. How nice that you could come. Good evening, Anita. I brought you these flowers <laughs> to match your eyes. How lovely. But, Michael, these are red roses. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I meant... To match your lips. Oh, that's different. Michael, I want you to meet Raymond. Raymond, this is Michael. How do you do? <laughs> I'm sure glad you're Alita's brother, not her... Uh, well, whatever you could be. Have a cigar? No, thank you, but you go ahead, light up. Uh, that I will. Allow me to light it for you, Michael. Oh. <laughs> this is what I call <coughs> service. <coughs> Alita. <coughs> Well, I, I, I didn't mean to blow it like that. I, I was simply trying to get a light. Will you please put that out? Can't you see the smoke effect, sir? Oh, all right, all right. I, I dig it out over here. There. I'm sorry, Elise. Oh, it's all right, Michael. Quiet. Let's get down to business. Uh, business? <laughs> what are you talking about? Michael, I was telling Raymond about your assignment here at the hotel. 
He could hardly believe what I told him. Why would that be hard to believe? Because, well, he has a great reverence for men of science. He believes... But, Michael, you show him your credentials. That will prove to him that you meet these great men on an equal basis. Sure, I'll show him. But how do you know that it's not them that have to try to get on my basis? Hmm. Now, see, here's my security paper, my press cards in my wallet. And this here paper All right, get your hands up. What? What? Alita, take those papers from him. That gun. And you, Alita, Let me have those papers. I will not have them. You almost broke his head with that gun. Never mind that. Give me those papers. Here. I'll get his wallet while you telephone. I'll call from the public booth in the lobby. All right. When you get Wembley's room, tell him the Sentinel has important information and wishes to check with him in privacy. Say Axford will be there at eight. All right, Raymond. What are you going to do with with him? Tie him, gag him, and place him in the linen closet. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of him. Professor Wembley, I'm Michael Axford of the Daily Sentinel. Oh, yes, yes, Mr. Axford. Your paper called and said you were on the way over. You're right on time. As a matter of four, may I see your credentials? Uh, certainly. Here they are. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Step inside, Mr. Axford. I hope you'll not keep me long. I have a dinner appointment in 15 minutes. Then I'll not waste a minute. A gun with a silencer. Here. Oh! We'll continue our story in just a moment. Hello there, fellas and girls. There's one word in the English language I'm sure you often use. It's the word naturally. It's natural for you to use this word when you talk about the good things of life. And naturally is the word to use when you talk about Orange Crush. Yes, because naturally it tastes better. You see, Orange Crush is made from the natural juices of fresh Valencia oranges. Luscious, juicy, tree-ripened oranges of sunny California. So naturally, it tastes better. Better than any orange drink you ever tasted before. It's the world's leading orange drink. No other can match it for flavor. That tangy, fresh fruit orange crush flavor is so refreshing and satisfying. Your very first sip tells you why we say, naturally, it tastes better. Have plenty of delicious orange crush on hand to enjoy over the weekend. It's wonderful to serve with snacks when your friends drop in. Tell Mom you want Orange Crush today. Tell her it's good for you, too, that it's made from nutritious, fresh, natural orange juice. The whole family will love Orange Crush. So make sure you get enough. Buy it at your dealers in six-bottle handy packs. And always ask for it by name. Don't just say orange. Say, I want Orange Crush, because naturally it tastes better. That's Orange Crush. O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H. Orange Crush. Now back to the Green Hornet. Lenore Case was typing the last of Britt Reed's letters when at 8.43 the telephone rang. I'll get it, Miss Case. Britt Reed speaking. Oh, hello, Dr. Bradford. I didn't expect it. What? What's that? Axford? Oh, it can't be. Well, certainly I'll be right over. 
Mr. Reed, what's wrong? Professor Wembley of the British Scientific Legation has just been shot. He may die. The police are looking for Mike Axford. They think he did it. Michael? That's what Bradford said. Come along, Miss Case. We'll go to the Ridgely Plaza together. sure, Dr. Bradford, that it was Axford who was to interview Professor Wembley? Positive. Wembley called me himself to clear the appointment for 8 o'clock. Wembley said he'd meet me for dinner at 8.15. When he didn't appear at 8.30, I went to his room. I finally had the bell captain let me in and, well, you know the rest. Is Professor Wembley conscious? No, he may not live. Doctor, no matter what the evidence may be against him, you can't make me believe that Michael Axford shot the man. That will have to be proved. You... You say some papers were stolen, too? Yes. Wembley's documents were a shambles. Security agents are checking now. They think the plans for one of NATO's most important defense weapons is missing. Well, come in the next room with me. I'll have one of the security men talk to you. At that instant in Raymond Lemire's room, Alita Carlyle was listening as her spy partner talked. And you'll have to do it, Alita, because time is important. Why can't we simply take the plans and make a run for it now? It's impossible. Police and security agents are keeping all exits covered. And we must remain here with the plans in our possession. I've hidden them where no one will find them. When the excitement has died down, we'll recover them and leave the hotel nonchalantly. Right now, though, you had better see this man, Dr. Bradford, and tell him the story about Axford. Back in Dr. Bradford's suite, Reed and Miss Case learned with certainty that the Wembley supersonic plans had been stolen. Reed, dazed, repeated his convictions of Axford's innocence. Doctor, this is a spy's work. Axford is... Well, I, I don't know where he is now, but... I just remembered, Mr. Reed. Well, he should be here in this hotel. I, I heard him telephone and say he would be. What? Let's hear this, Miss Case. Lenore Case told Reed and Dr. Bradford of Axford's call to the Ridgely Plaza. And the girl's name was Alita, and her room was 402. Well, let's go there at once. Uh, just a moment, Mr. Reed. Who's there? Hamilton, Dr. Bradford. Hamilton is top security agent here. Just a moment. Uh, Dr. Bradford, this young lady oh, wants how to... terrible. Doctor, I've just been told what happened here. Uh, I beg your pardon. I'm uh, Alita who... Carlyle. I'm staying at the hotel. Oh, yes, yes. Room 402, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Did Mr. Axford say anything about me? No, we really know he had an appointment to see you. Oh, that's the reason I had him page downstairs and inquired about him. You see, he didn't keep his appointment. When I heard Axford being page, Doctor, I found out who was inquiring for him, and, well, it was Miss Carlyle. I asked her to come here. Uh, Miss Carlyle, Axford was a friend of yours? Oh, no, I met him only today. He... Well, I have theatrical ambitions. Mr. Axford offered to further them by getting me publicity in his newspaper. That's why we were to meet this evening. Uh, Miss Carlyle, he didn't call you before or after 7.30. Oh, no. I said when I left him at 3.30 that I'd meet him this evening in the lobby. We were to have dinner and discuss whatever plans he had to help me. Alita Carlyle gave a slightly distorted account of her meeting with Axford and ended. And now I find the police are looking for him, and I, for absolutely no reason, am being involved in the matter. No, no, there's no involvement, Miss Carlyle. Does your brother know anything of Mr. Axford's whereabouts? Oh, uh, Miss Carlyle, this is Miss Kate. How do you do? How do you do? My brother? Well, I have no brother. Why do you ask that? 
Reed's brief warning look caused Miss Case to say... Well, uh, there's, there's no reason, really. Then I may go. That's entirely up to Mr. Hamilton, Miss Carlyle. As far as I'm concerned, you may. Perhaps I want to talk to you again later, Miss Carlyle. You'll be in your room? Yes, I, I can't very well leave the hotel, can I? No. We're sorry about the necessity of having guards at all the doors, but it's a matter of grave importance, and the need for them is imperative. I'll leave, then. If Mr. Axford should call me, which I don't now, I'll let you know. Thank you. Oh, Dr. Bradford, I am on my way to the room where Professor Wembley's being treated. Do you mind coming along? I have some things I'd like to ask you alone. You'll pardon me, Mr. Reed? Certainly. Miss Case and I are going downstairs. I want to have a search of my own started for Axford. It'll be cooperative, I assure you. In the lobby of the hotel, Reed spoke to Lenore Case. There was something about that Carlisle girl that struck me as false. That's why I stopped you from questioning her further upstairs. She said she had no brother. Well, I heard Michael ask her distinctly over the telephone about her brother. And there was no talk of business either. Well, it's possible she is an actress and that her manner is always affected. Just the same, I'd like you to go to her room alone and ask again about her brother. Tell her you're from the Sentinel. See what she says then. Do you think that... I think nothing, Miss Case. I only know that Axford's on the spot and something's happened to him. Also, that important military plans are missing. I do hope they find some trace of Michael. Well, so do I. We have police and federal men on the lookout for him now. And I think perhaps the Green Hornet should look for him, too. Green Hornet? Yes. When you're after a spy and a possible murderer, you use every means possible to trap him. What will the Green Hornet do? Well, that depends in part on your reactions to what this Alita Carlyle says. While you go to her room, I'll telephone Cato and have him meet me on the next street with a mask and gas gun. He should be there in 15 or 20 minutes. But you can't leave the hotel, Mr. Reed. I can. Fortunately, the police and federal men know who I am. I'll not worry about that part. Rick Reed telephoned to Cato and left the hotel after speaking to the officers in charge. Within 20 minutes, Cato appeared with a Green Hornet's mask and gas gun. Oh, I bring a special key, too, Mr. Britt. I know Green Hornet may need that. Hey, you're right, Cato. I should have told you that when I called. Thanks for remembering. When Reed returned to the hotel lobby, Lenore Case was waiting. Mr. Reed, that woman was lying tonight. Well, she may not have a brother, but she did see Michael. How do you know? Well, because there's an aroma... Stench is the word, really... Of Michael's horrible cigars in her room. I'm sure of it. Well, that's one thing about those things he smokes. Their odor is lasting. She said I was wrong about his making a call to her. Well, she had to say that after lying to Mr. Hamilton and Dr. Bradford. Well, after I pretended to accept her story, I left. and I remained at the end of the corridor for a while. She left her room a few minutes later and disappeared through the fire exit. Good. I'll get up there immediately. Rick Reed took the elevator to the 10th floor, then walked down the fire stairway to the 4th. There, he donned the mask of the Green Hornet, and when he was sure there was no one in the corridor, he used his special key to enter room 402. Outside the darkened room, the smell of Axford's cigar still remained in spite of an open window. The Green Hornet, using a pocket flashlight, made his way to the window, glanced out onto the fire escape, and then walked to the side of the room, unaware that the bedroom door had opened softly. There were two closet doors near him, and the Green Hornet opened one of these. It was a large closet filled with feminine apparel, and the Green Hornet played his light along the floor and on the wall. 
Then he heard a sound behind him and turned too late. <coughs> Alita Carlyle slammed the door behind him and turned the key in the lock. She placed the key in a dress pocket, then hurried to the telephone after putting on the lights. Opera, opera, let me have room 319, please. Oh. Raymond, Raymond, come up here at once. once. 